Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the number one shit show voted by Podcast Magazine, The Silver Emulsion Podcast. Oh, God said to Abraham, kill me a son. Abe said, man, you must be putting me on. God said, no. Abe said, what? God said, you can do what you want, Abe, but uh, next time you see me coming, you better run. Those stories are all lies. Ask me if I give a shit. Well, Abe said, where do you want this killing done? God said, all down Highway 61. Okay. Well, Georgia Sam, he had a bloody nose. Well, All right, everybody, welcome uh, to another episode of the Silver Emotion Podcast. My name is Will, and I am your host... And with me today, as always, uh, my friend Steven. How's it going? I'm doing all right. All right. So uh, we're here today. Yeah. And not, we're going to. Not yesterday. Not yesterday. <laughs> not tomorrow. Not tomorrow. We are here in this moment right now. Yeah. And you are listening to it in another. <laughs> it's time travel, baby. But we are forever <laughs> in the present. And we're here to talk about a movie. Uh, from 2007, 2007. <laughs> back when we were just little toddlers that couldn't talk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 2007. Yeah. So, um, 10 years old now. 10 years old, a 10th anniversary episode. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Impromptu 10th anniversary. Yeah. Um, uh, it's an anime movie directed by Makoto Shinkai. It's called Five Centimeters Per Second. Is that all correct? Did I screw something up? Yeah, that's good. All right. I, I I do like that right when the movie opens, the, like the very first line is it just it tells you what the t- the title is about. <laughs> yeah. No. No. Uh, no no, no ambiguity to, yeah, there. It's just you like, don't try no, to it's, decipher it's, it. It's just right up front. This is what we're talking about. Yeah. And that's nice <laughs> because. Th- you know, you just hear the title and you think, what the hell is that? Yeah. Because five centimeters a second, I don't know, that's kind of slow. It's, yeah. It's not and, that. and especially for us in America who might not be familiar with the metric system so much. Yeah. You really don't know what you're talking about. You're like, right. well, I don't even know what speed that is really. Right. Well, mm-hmm. you, I mean, five centimeters is, I don't know. Not that a, big. A no. few inches. Yeah. I don't know. It's not that much. Um. I don't know exactly, but it's you know it's I yeah, don't know. But, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's just a little bit more vagueness to, right. to slather onto the. But uh, the just the act of of explaining the title right away, like made me sit up. Not, I mean, not literally, <laughs> but I, it just it it called attention to itself because I thought, huh. Usually, you wouldn't be so upfront about right, that. Right, right. Usually, they kind of bury the meaning a little right. more. But I found that, that knowing that the the speed, I mean, we're being more vague than the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the speed is, is uh, of uh, cherry blossom petals falling from the tree. Uh, it's the speed at which they fall. Um, and so anyway, knowing what that is and, and knowing that, you know, the dialogue that they have about it, it kind of colors the rest of the movie as you're watching and, 
you're thinking about or I was thinking about it. And right. and it's a sort of this thing that comes up um throughout the speed of things and right. They they mention it several times. Right. Or not that specific speed, but other other speeds that, and, and things and like that. And whenever it happens the main character just kind of perks up over it and just like whoa it just reminds him of this yeah. first conversation right at the beginning of the film right uh so the movie is uh i don't i'm kind of nervous because i don't know how much we're going to talk about this and then at the same time i feel like it'll be two hours later and then <laughs> be like oh well i guess yeah. we uh so i yeah. i don't know i i kind of feel maybe to because we have not done his previous films yeah. on the podcast, maybe just a brief uh, recap, catching up to speed on what this guy does. Because to me, when I watch a Makoto Shinkai film, there's this evolution over the course of his films. Yeah, you could and definitely say that that this one, Five Centimeters, is very reminiscent of the first movie. It's it's reminiscent of I think. Both of the movies of uh, Place Promised. Okay, because I don't well. remember there's, that there's one a little, very well. But yeah, it's, it seems like it's taking some of the themes from those two films yeah. and taking out the sci-fi and just okay. kind of turning this into a straight romance and taking out like the symbolism and the yeah, and just playing a more straightforward uh, connection yeah, it's, to it's the themes. Yeah, it's pretty straightforward. They do launch a satellite or something. Was yeah, it a satellite? Something. Yeah, there's there's a couple of rockets blasting. Yeah, off they do do to... that. So there is some kind of element of 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 space travel, but it's not really. Right. It's, it's not engaged. It's so like far that. into the background that you, right. for all you know, it's just a regular space shuttle launch. Yeah, like it, just, it could yeah. totally be any modern day kind of a right. rocket launch going on. Right. Um, so the first movie. Um, yeah, I guess just. He's a he's an indie film guy. He's done probably about like half a dozen short films. Okay. That are like really like by short films I mean five minutes or yeah. less. And and those are those I don't think have ever really been released outside of Japan. Okay. They might not even have proper releases in Japan. They're just these little indie films that he did. Yeah. I did see there was one about a cat. Yeah, that's that's probably the only one that got a release in America. That was a special feature on the Voices of a Distant Star. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say that's what I read, and I don't think I ever saw it. But, <clears throat> but, uh... but yeah, it's a, it's just this little five minute short. Basically, it's from the point of view of a cat who lives in this apartment with a woman who lives by herself. She's just got this pet cat, and it's just, and he just talks about this relationship that, that, that he, he's he's got this owner that he of course loves because he's this cat that she's taking care of. He, Cat's she, talking. Yeah, the cat is talking. Okay. In in Japanese. In well, <laughs> <laughs> subtitled in English. I suppose there. I don't know is if he, there was an English dub of that or not. But is he actually talking or thinking? Um, I think he's thinking. It's okay. it's a monologue. Okay. Um, okay. Just kind of a a narrative monologue of his point of view. Yeah, of, I don't and, mind that, but but whenever you get animals with moving lips and they're talking, no, no, I, there's I, I I shut it off. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's no moving lips and in fact there's very little movement at all. At all. It's okay. it's very like this is you know low budget animation yeah. basically means you're not animating much. Well and he made the first movie basically by himself. So right. he, did he make that cat movie? I'm by pretty himself? sure that one was totally by himself. Okay. I don't think he had any external help on that one at all. 
And I suspect that's the case for most of his early little short films. Yeah. Where he was just just, just experimenting screwing around. Screwing around, yeah. And then Voices of a Distant. And that one, well, the She and Her Cat one, I guess that won some kind of weird indie award kind of thing. Like, it, okay. it got him a little bit of attention. Okay. And that's why it was included as a little oh, okay. feature, is that one actually got him some uh, praise from All right. the community at large. Um <laughs> Voices of a Distant Star was also a very indie project that he just worked on mostly by himself. Yeah. Um, he did get, I guess, at the end of it, some studio actually picked it up and oh. did some final post-production on it. Some, oh, okay. So he did, I don't know, maybe 80, 90% of it. And I think mostly what the studio did was audio. Like, they got um, proper actors. Because okay. in the original version of it, it was, the acting was... Literally him and his fiance at the time, like playing the two uh, okay. roles. So it's like that's how indie it was yeah, at the time. Yeah. And then then a studio after that picked it up and did some finish some extra finishing work on it and uh, got some actual like professional actors to play the roles. <laughs> so the DVD that I have has the original track as a bonus feature, okay. so you can actually set it to just Makoto yeah. Shinkai and his fiance doing the acting, which was kind of cool. And you've seen it like that? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was all right, or yeah. I'm, I mean, how much you can judge from subtitled films, right. anyway? You don't necessarily, unless you're really fluent in the language, you aren't really yeah. going to know whether the acting is good or bad per se. But, but I feel like bad dubbing, you can hear like if it's poorly recorded or anything oh, like yeah. that. I mean, there's there is a difference in in the the quality, but not yeah. to the point of like, oh, this is shit. You right, know, it's you know, fine. Whatever. Yeah, it's, yeah no big it deal. sounds fine. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think the computer voice was pretty much unchanged, though, for when they had, like, the little computer announcement crap okay. going on. You know, you know, it had the little Star Trek computer that would... Yeah, I vaguely remember that. But, yeah, that one... So that story was... This girl gets chosen to be this pilot of a giant robot fighting aliens out in space. And right. her boyfriend is left behind on Earth, and they're text messaging each other. And the concept is just that these text messages can only travel at the speed of light. And so she's up in orbit, and it takes a few seconds. Then she goes to Mars, and it takes a few minutes to get to Earth. Then she goes out to, like, Pluto, and it's taking, like, a few hours for him to get the messages. And basically the whole story is just this progression of her getting farther away and this the messages taking longer and longer to reach. Right. And that's just the whole concept. And really the whole concept of all of his movies is this division, this wall between two people yeah that kind of prevents their relationship from going any further like okay. even with she and her cat it's this cat and this woman there's this complete block that's, of understanding yeah. and that's really what that one was kind of about was that this cat really doesn't understand what this woman is doing he just yeah. knows that she comes in and pets him and feeds him <laughs> and it's it's all good but he doesn't know why he doesn't okay yeah yeah you know and she doesn't understand his perspective per se either yeah. so it's it's just about the fact that they have this you know they they do love each other of course but they don't have a right. an understanding that's of each cool. other there's this wall between them and that's in every single one of his movies is the this relationship that just can't connect yeah. on some level okay so in she and her cat it's a species level in voices of a distant star it is a physical distance and, and it's forever getting getting longer and longer and, further, yeah. and also because of that a chronological distance 
Yeah. And that I think at the end of the movie, like he gets this text from her from ten years ago that it was this she was so friggin' far out and so it was ten yeah. light years away and it's just so at the end of the movie he's like this adult now, all grown up, and he's getting this text message from this like fourteen year old girl or whatever whatever age she was right. uh when she sent it and so there's this weird time dilation going on in that. And that was the whole concept of that. Um then his after that, that Voices of a Distant Star really got uh, some awards and accolades and things. Yeah. And then he got an actual studio, um, Comics Wave, which I think um, has just done nothing but his films since. Okay. I think that is like that's his studio. Um, did, I, every film he's done since has been through them, and did I don't he think start them or they I'm were a not thing sure before. Exactly where Comics Wave came from, but I I've never heard of them beforehand. Okay. And I don't think they've ever done a single film that has not been a, a Makoto Shinkai oh, okay. film. So I well, think he it's, probably started it up. Yeah. yeah, I think it's him. He's definitely the one that it that's doing all the design with it and stuff. Yeah. So I think I think it's just his studio that he's in control of. All right. Um, but so then we get Place Promised in our early days. That's a full-on studio film. It actually has a budget and people working on it and animating it it's actually a full probably like two hours i think probably something like it, it was a full yeah, length movie it's a feature like length film where voices yeah. of a distant star i think was like 45 minutes or so something like that yeah and all of his previous ones were like five minutes or less so, so first real feature yeah, his first real movie and that one again we have this relationship between this guy and this girl he loves but she's in a coma and has been so for about a decade now and he's basically given up <laughs> and as you go further and further into that movie you find this whole weird sci-fi bizarreness of alternate dimensions going on and wow i don't remember that at all <laughs> <laughs> it gets it gets deeper and deeper down this rabbit hole of alternate dimensions or at, oh, least, at least one alternate dimension that she is trapped in mentally uh-huh and, Man, I mean, I saw that, but I don't remember that at all. <laughs> I remember some something. Maybe I'm remembering something else, but I remember wasn't there like some kind of a tower thing? And yeah, there was like this a, tower, like a some kind of spaceship thing, or, or yeah, flying. There was, or... Yeah, that was their their whole thing. There were the three friends. There was him, this girl he was in love with, and his best friend, this yeah. other dude. And they all had this dream. And there was, he was like, he made this promise to the girl that he's like. They were going to build this plane together. That's right, yeah. And they were all going to take off on this plane and have yeah, this great flight. Yeah, that, that was that. the promise, and, the, and they were going to fly off to wherever. Right. And then she fell into a coma, and this has just been this unfulfilled dream he's had for years. And then this tower gets built, and it's it's a weird movie because it starts off, you don't think there's any sci-fi going on at all. And then as the movie goes further and further on, you realize there's this weird tower. And yeah. then they start explaining how it's like experimenting with alternate dimensions. And then it just like it just keeps going deeper and deeper into it. And you're just like, what the friggin' hell happened here? Yeah, I should watch it again. I remember liking it, but... Yeah, that's I, that one I, I definitely loved. Um, I'd say that like Voices of a Distant Star, it was good. But it wasn't like amazing. Yeah, you like, could poke all sorts of weird holes in it, and that one for me, I had a hard time like watching it. I I enjoy it, you know, like I appreciate it, and I think it's really cool, and the idea is really cool. But it's kind of slow, so it's just like one of these things that I have to break up and 
watch a little bit and then I'll fall asleep and then <laughs> watch back to and it's not that I don't like it I feel bad because it's it's you know it's right, uh, right. the concept is really cool and I'm a big I'm all about cool sci-fi concepts um and so I I like it but at the same time like I don't I don't feel myself ever wanting to watch it again <laughs> like I don't know yeah I, I mean it's it's slow it's also uh, sidestepping its lack of budget and that I think well, makes yeah, it slow. Yeah, that too. Yeah. In that there's uh, like there's there's very little actual animation going on. Yeah. Like there, most of the time you'll see them. It's basically a still shot, and their lips are moving and nothing else. Yeah. Or, or, like or there won't texting be texting fingers or something. And even that, like, I don't think they ever showed the texting fingers. Oh, they really? would show them like the phone is in the, blocking it, oh, so you don't okay. actually. So he's not actually having to animate anything, or yeah. it'll be just off screen. So and he just throws in the sound effects. So, <laughs> and he did a lot of things like that in that movie. Like you'll just hear the sound of a wheel spinning, uh-huh. and then, but it's like in just showing you a grassy field with like no movement, and then it'll suddenly cut to this guy standing there and there's a bike laying in the grass uh, and so okay. it very much tricks your mind into accepting okay that th- events have happened and yeah, he was very yeah. good at doing that but at the same time i think that's partly why it feels so slow and right. so sluggish is because it's very sedate and yeah. not much movement or i'd have anything. to watch it when i was like fully awake and ready to go because <laughs> sometimes i watch stuff like that and and i'm like fucking engaged and i love it and then other times i just can barely stay awake and it's not from like lack of interest it's hard to describe but it's just like uh just uh, hypnotizes you yeah something there's something about certain movies will just do that to me where like the soundscape or whatever and i'm just like oh just just lulls you into sleep (laughs) yeah it's it's hard to describe i guess you don't have an insomnia problem (laughs) no if any well or if you did, you just throw on Voices of a Distant Star and be gone. No, actually, you know, I could fall asleep, um, like, at any moment, pretty much. Like, <laughs> if you gave, if I sat here for long enough, I'd fall asleep, like, just sitting here. Um, and it regularly happens. I'm, you know, <laughs> I'll wake up at the computer. Um, no, I definitely don't have an insomnia problem. <laughs> uh uh so, yeah, so but yeah i don't remember this alternate dimension stuff yeah hmm. kind of you just get weird vague hints about it at first okay and then maybe, towards yeah. the end of the movie you start actually getting enough evidence to put it together yeah so it's kind of a weird thing at Maybe it's one of those things that I just didn't get. And it was it, like maybe, yeah. maybe. Cuz there's a lot of stuff when you were talking about like Boogie Pop Phantom and I watched it and then you were explaining something and I was just like, "Oh. <laughs> oh wow, all that was going on." <laughs> like, just... like, yeah, I remember these vague like points that he's talking about, but the the connection of everything, like, wow. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> So it's probably a thing like that. I yeah, don't know. It, Maybe I just forgot to. It might be. That was a very oddly told story. I think it had some very subtle storytelling to, yeah. to the background and the events and things. But uh, it kind of winds up. So there's basically the point is it's, it's again, it's this relationship that is just blocked. Yeah. That there's this guy and he, he wants to be with this girl, but she's just gone. 
he, I don't he, even think he knows where she is anymore at that point. She's like in this weird secret government hospital. Like, she, oh, okay. So I don't even. I might be remembering that wrong, but yeah, I'm not even sure if he knew where she was hospitalized anymore okay. at that point. And he had this promise that he wanted to fulfill, but he couldn't fulfill it because yeah. she's gone. Yeah, and, and so, so everything is kind of stagnant. Yeah, for and years. So and yeah, it's just kind of nothing can move forward. Right. And, He's just kind of stuck with this shitty situation. Right. He seems to like that. Yeah, this is... He's he's definitely got this very melancholy approach yeah. to filming and It the makes stories. me think, like, like what happened in this guy's like Because I don't <laughs> right. think he's even that old. No, so no, I don't think so. Like, he's pretty... I think he's pretty young for being a top anime guy. Yeah. He's pretty young for being this director of all these films, at least by that point, by 2007 or even earlier, because I think Voices of a Distant Star might have... That was, that's early 2000s. Yeah, I'm remembering like early 2000s, something like that. So, But yeah, I mean, I, I looked at a part of the interview that's on the, the disc, and he just looks like you know i don't know mid 30s yeah, or something like that i think he's probably that. around our age i don't think yeah, he's at that time now he's and, probably and i think with 5 centimeters we see a little more evidence of that because i think like technologically he seems to be setting this um that when they're kids they seem to be you know more of what it, like the pr- the progression of technology as this as you right. see him grow up over this movie seems to match what the progression of technology of, as I grew up of. Yeah, well, yeah, it starts in the 90s, and they, they're writing letters to each other. Right, and then and that's then, when they're, like, in elementary school or something. Yeah. And then he's in high school, and they they just now have, like, these text messages. Everyone's right. got the flip phones and stuff. It's like, okay, now we're into, like, this cell phone era. And yeah. Then, they're adults and it's more of a i guess cell phones were a thing when i was in high school they were just coming like, out yeah and, like it was a brand new thing for at least for popular consumption right. it was just starting out yeah like it, it was that transition from pagers to oh it's an actual phone right right and so it seemed to like kind of mirror that progression of technology that okay was, yeah that makes sense because at first you're thinking like, well, they're they're going on this train ride, and it's like, oh, he's late. It's like, and he can't tell her. It's like, well, right, he's just stuck, without yeah. a cell phone. It's like, no, this right. is taking place. Or even a payphone. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, but, but he may or may not have change. He may not have the right. number. And if she's whatever. waiting for him at the station, he can't. This is true. Also, just, yes. You know. Is he going to call the payphone at the station? Right, you know, right, you, right. You'd have to find the number for that and then hope that somebody would actually answer it. And yeah. I mean, well, you could call the station, but then the payphone, I don't know about Japan, but in the U.S., payphones didn't always have a phone book there. Right, right. Somebody would steal it. So they or just they, have the thing. And or they'd so, want that one page that right, happened to yeah, be done. Right. They'd rip out this one page and you'd be like, oh, shit, that's the page I needed. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, and that's, or it's just yeah. moldered to the point that you can't even use it anyway. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know about Japanese phones. But in this case, he did not call. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he just stayed on the train. So who knows? But yeah, but, but it's all about like this communication yeah. And the speed at which people are communicating or not communicating or whatever. Right. They're communicating with 
letters and then text messages and then do they communicate in the last one i don't i'm really i mean there's like because they're older but i don't remember there being too much going on there's there is some texting going on there. okay just more texting yeah so it's still kind of just with a more modern phone yeah yeah okay but yeah, so it's it's basically just about this this guy and this girl who knew each other as kids, and they were kind of like the, it was the first love situation, and then they yeah. moved away. And it's basically just this whole thing of that relationship feels incomplete, and he's always yeah. trying to or hoping to reengage with this. And right, he's pretty locked in to this girl and and obsessed. <laughs> yeah, and it's. It's this kind of interesting, weird little point. Like when she first calls him and tells him that she's moving away and they're yeah. not going to be able to see each other again, and she's crying over the phone, and and he mentions that he's like he doesn't know how to comfort her, and she's obviously hurting more than I am. And I'm thinking over the course, like I don't think so. I think he was actually hurting a lot more than she was. Yeah, she seemed a lot more able to move on. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's. Uh, that's true and and men like to again i don't know about japanese men but um in the u.s men are taught that emotions are basically you know don't show them don't cry you know hold them in don't process (laughs) yeah unless it's anger then you go and yeah then you let it out in football (laughs) yeah anger's fine you know smash some shit yeah we understand that but but uh yeah so he it it felt like, yeah, he was hurt, but then unable to kind of deal with that. Right. So then it stays with him. Yeah. And so it's, and it's, it kind of creates this almost like a chain of, because he cannot yeah. feel completed with this, the other relationships that he gets into with other girls later on are also incomplete. And then yes. those girls have this same, uh, incomplete feeling to the relationships right yeah they are they are missing something that they want and so it just kind of leads to further and further separation between more and more people yes (laughs) 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 yes i i had something and then it just like fluttered away and it was, oh i'm left with yes <laughs> okay it's like i had an insight and then, uh, but um i don't did we mention that it's broken up into three episodes yeah, or we, chapters yeah, or? get into that that it's it's kind of yeah it's because it's kind of like an anthology film almost kind like of it, like and, it wanted to be an anthology film and i've always kind of felt like it should have had another segment just to yeah. really finish it off i guess well in the part of the interview that i watched he said that he wrote 10 separate oh, yeah, yeah. segments yeah that's vaguely and familiar. Then i think i watched that interview like wet, a back when i first ago, when yeah. i watched the movie and i have some vague recollections yeah. of it because i know i've got some background info rattling in my head that <laughs> well i only be watched accurate. the beginning so you know anyway he said he, he started with 10 and then eventually it became just the three um but and even the third one it hardly even counts i mean yeah there's not it's more of an epilogue than a proper episode of its own things happen but i mean probably 
at least half of it is a song. Right, <laughs> with right. The it's, montage. It, and it's stuff. yeah. It's more just this little epilogue and kind yeah. Of, emotional summary of the film more than anything right um but and in that sense i feel like there just should have been three proper episodes and then and then that at the end and i think that maybe would have worked better yeah because it feels i could feel that feels a little disjointed in a way because you have the first episode and it's just the guy and the girl they're the only two real characters that are right and then the the next episode (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you've suddenly yes. got the surfer girl who bu- pops in and it's like okay what's she doing here she's not really a part of this main dilemma in the story at the beginning of that one i thought it was a whole separate thing at first <laughs> i was just like okay next story moving on and then i realized oh that's the same guy yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. he's just older now like yeah. oh, okay we're gonna do this okay yeah and so i, I feel like it should have done a little more of his journey, perhaps. Just yeah, that one focuses on her a lot more, and he's kind of the background character, like the the first girl is in the first story. Yeah, I kind of noticed that, that it kind of like it's it's kind of interesting that in the first episode, as much as you're seeing everything from his point of view, yeah. you're actually not really getting to know him. Okay, you're because everything you're hearing is really the girl's letters that she writes this letter and and you hear her narrating it over the story but yeah. you never see the letters he gives her oh really you oh, okay. never see his response you never really see anything about him it's all about her okay and i feel like i saw something from him but it's there, just my a, i was tricked i guess yeah there's <laughs> i think there's there's stuff that he writes and i guess if you knew japanese you could pause the screen and and maybe read what he's yeah. writing to her but well i definitely didn't do that so yeah, they they didn't narrate <laughs> his letters okay, at okay. all and there, there's a little bit like there is a point where he's he starts narrating the the situation and, and yeah. just saying okay we grew up together to just set the stage properly and you learn a little bit about him in that aspect but it seems like it's more her perspective even though it's from his perspective yeah it's, it's yeah. a very weird kind of a situation and then you go to the next episode and it's kind of the exact opposite where it's like it's there's this other girl looking at him and trying right. to, and so again you don't see much of him you're all focused on this other girl so right. it's a kind of a weird well and weird structure to it that i've a weird structure but i feel like like um i don't know how it would be if it wasn't that way like if we focused on him again in the second story i feel like i don't know like it wouldn't be as interesting because i i like the second one more than the first one i like trains so i mean i i was digging all the train stuff (laughs) but but um the second one i was drawn in a lot more because of that girl because she it was a more interesting character instead of like this this guy that's just sort of exists that you don't really know what his interests are you right really, like and that that's kind of what i mean it like and, it never go you never really get to know this guy right and and the second story with the girl it's all about like 
her and she's trying to connect with him and and she she loves him you know like she's crushed on him and right but and, and she's trying to like crack him open and sort of get to know him but she can't and then it you know she eventually realizes like well this is a lost cause yeah he is you know looking for something else he's he's looking beyond me or whatever he whatever she says um and so like fuck it <laughs> i'm gonna go surfing <laughs> yeah. yeah but I mean, and, and, you know i mean and that's kind of thing is there there is all this little detail of her life that you get like, yeah you know that she's learning how to surf she's right got an older sister who is apparently a teacher at her school and that's giving some weird issues because <laughs> she has this teacher like responsibility yeah and, but so there's this weird family dynamic going on as and she rides this little motorcycle thing or scooter, whatever the heck it is. Right. You know, so that you find yeah, all these Yeah, they both little... have their little scooters. That's right. Yeah. So it's like you find these little things about them, about her more right. so than him. And again, the first girl, you kind of know more about her than him and that she's like interested in all this weird like ancient evolutionary history kind of stuff and talking yeah. about like, these. Well, they were both interested in fantasy books. I do remember that. They went to the library together, and mm. they checked out the fantasy books, whatever Prince Caspian and I. Mm. I they, think they were just into books in general, yeah. But. Well, the well the three they show three old school library date due stamp cards. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They did, have and the they fucking crazily they fucking subtitled every little card. <laughs> I've never seen anything like that, and I wish like. I wish they would do that more in Hong Kong movies and yeah, stuff. Yeah, anime has gotten pretty good on that. They're fucking. The... I mean, they this movie just talking about some subtitling. <laughs> yeah, this they was fucking very good subtitle subtitles. like literally everything. I mean, back some background conversation is on the top of the thing. Right, right. It... Then like there's a sign on the side of the screen, and then their regular people are talking on the bottom, and they're all the same color. So I'm kind of like, oh Jesus Christ, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was, was too much information. I, I think I kind of hit that too, where it was just too much information, <laughs> and so I didn't actually read what those library cards were. <laughs> so... Oh well, well the library cards were. I stopped it because I, you know, I'm I'm very interested in libraries, so I was like, well, right, what right. what books are they reading? <laughs> and the three books that they're reading, I don't remember what the middle book was, but the first one was Earthsea, the Ursula Le Guin, yeah, or Le Guin yeah. novel, which is fantasy, right, kids' right. fantasy. The second one had some sort of fantasy-ish title, and the third book was Prince Caspian by C.S. Lewis. Also fantasy. Also fantasy. So I got the the idea that they were specifically into fantasy hmm. um and like yeah, i think because i, I kind of didn't read those but there was this point where they're they're at like the little fast food place and they're talking about like prehistoric creatures like i got the feeling yeah. from that scene that they were reading some kind of book about like the cambrian period or what some oh, ancient okay. as paleozoic whatever time yeah of prehistoric creatures and they were like kind of making images of them out of the french fries and just being like oh this one looked cool it looked <laughs> oh, like oh right 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 yeah yeah so i kind of had figured there was more of like a natural science kind of okay uh, bend to it you know also going in with the whole like she knows that, oh that's the five centimeters per second when the blossoms fall just like a science angle yeah yeah so i was kind of building it up in that direction so well maybe know, some kind of crossover there maybe the 
the distance, the barrier between science and fantasy yeah. or science and religion <laughs> um, is is another thing that's going on here where like she's into the science and he's into fantasy. Yeah, it might be something like and that. And so maybe she was also into some fantasy too because they read the same books, but like this guy based on what we know of him mm-hmm. is that he he has this i mean it's not even a relationship it's like they're a friendship and then they have a first kiss and then like over the next 20 years <laughs> he like has this whole like obsession and sort of a fantasy life that we don't really see but the fact that he's still holding on to this one thing and like we gotta like yeah like that's the thing he wants more than anything i mean he gets to i mean by the end of it i mean he's like quitting his job and shit (laughs) like and he's got a fucking like a programming job i mean it's not like an like some shit job you know it's an actual job that he went to school for and and he just quits it and he's just this fucking like sad man (laughs) he's just so just that uh yeah he just he can't let go of this. right and so that made me think of like maybe he's he, i don't want to say the fantasy person is is more prone to something like that but just the idea of like um i don't know what i'm trying to say mm-hmm. just the ability to i only have the beginning of things <laughs> <laughs> i don't know um yeah, he's he's building up this fantasy of what he wants from right. this and relationship like, that will not, never occur. He's yeah. not looking at the reality of situations. He's building up this fantasy because that's right. what he wants. And, and that's definitely like in the second episode you see a lot of that where you see his you actually do see some of his dreams where he keeps waking. There's always this scene that's like it's this very like sci-fi landscape right. of like you're seeing these weird planets in the sky. Yeah, yeah, and the yeah. The girl's there next to him, and then he wakes up. He's like, "Oh man, I had this weird dream about like, like this is totally like dominating his life to the point that he right. dreams about it on a consistent basis." Yeah, he's <laughs> fucking locked in. That's his. That's he's all about it. <laughs> God knows how he got through school, but he fucking did it, you know. <laughs> it's that that whole Japanese ethos, I guess. Like I guess. You get through fucking school. <laughs> yeah, well, he did it. He got a job, and then he quit yeah, it. And then, yeah, just... <laughs> so it's uh, yeah, very uh, very bittersweet story there. Right. It's it's, <laughs> and then the end comes, and it's almost like. When I watched it, I didn't know what the fuck to make of it. At the end, it was just like, then the fucking song comes on, and I was like, what? (laughs) Why is there a song? And it's a whole song, like not not a little Uh, bit of a song. Although, oddly enough, it is a shortened version of the song. Oh, really? One of the extra features is a longer, like, a music video of that song. Wow. uh... Well, I'm glad. I mean, it was enough as it was. (laughs) It took me by surprise. Apparently, it's a pretty famous song in Japan. It's not made for this movie. It was, uh, like, just a well-known love song. Okay, so culturally, it might have a significance. Yeah, it had this resonance going into it, from what I have heard. I think that was somewhere in that interview, too. All right, all right. Probably later on, then. That but. that that would add something to it. A lot of times in Hong Kong movies, they'll play 
the the song associated with Wong Fei Hung. He has like a song, mm. and they'll play it in random movies to make a joke on top of something just randomly. <laughs> and if you don't know that song, you're just like, oh, what the fuck is going on? And so I see this as one of those moments where I yeah, didn't know uh, what the fuck was going on. Yeah. And, okay. Well, that, that... And there is something else that um, that he's building off of, and it's it's something that I think you can see pretty obviously just on this movie alone, is, is the whole train thing. Yeah. That trains are a pretty big thing in Japan. They're all over. It's pretty... Especially in, like, Tokyo, where it's got yeah. massive subway systems well, in New York. But... And... Uh... Pretty much all other, I mean, not all countries, because I, I don't know how they are in, in South America and stuff, but Europe a lot of trains, is yeah. huge on trains, too. Yeah. And, and I in, feel like uh, civilized places are all about trains, uh, unlike the U.S. But <laughs> Yeah, but in, in Japan, they especially kind of attach this kind of romanticism to it. Okay. And there's, there's, it's very often in, in like, especially like romance stories or something to have this train in the background. All right. Um, there's frequently, there'll just be like a, any time there's like not any time, but like frequently there's some emotional moment and a train goes a by train goes by. Okay. And like this, the moment that this film is structured around um, is very much just a common thing of the two people on the opposite side of the tracks and the train goes through it. Like, this. yeah, this is kind of, uh, iconic imagery for like a drama in, yeah. in Japan. Of to, well, to that happens train. in in U.S. movies too. Right? Yeah, like I said, it's it's pretty easy. Yeah, to just, yeah. It's just something that is very much a thing in Japan to have this uh, this iconic train okay. crossing or train passing by in the night right. kind of thing um, is kind of this romantic image in, in <laughs> Japanese fiction stuff. So. And that really is kind of what this whole film is kind of structured around is at the beginning we have them as little kids and the train goes by yeah. in between them as they're talking about the cherry blossoms and Yeah. And they 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 wanna get together out, yeah. again when the cherry blossoms are falling again. Yeah. They make and a mention. Again, of that. cherry blossoms are very romantically symbolic in Japan. Okay. Um, cherry trees I think have more of a rose symbolism. Like like we consider oh, the rose okay. to be all right. Uh, that's kind of what the in Japan the cherry blossoms kind of fill that role. Okay, um, I know they they uh, Japan gave the U.S. a bunch of cherry blossoms, yeah, cherry trees out in front of the White House. Yeah, they I know it was like a gift of friendship or something like that. Yeah, yeah. There's in Japan they have these big cherry orchards, and so and there's there's this common thing or traditional thing i don't know how common it is anymore in modern times but yeah where you would go and have the these you would have tea out in the cherry orchard oh, okay. and so you'd like set out like basically a picnic blanket and you're sitting there and you'd have this lovely elegant japanese tea drinking yeah. huh. uh, festival and you do that in the spring when the cherry blossoms when, okay. are in full bloom and you basically you have a pink tree it looks like it yeah just, you know if you've seen yeah they're beautiful and an entire fucking orchard of them. Yeah, just that'd be nice. All <laughs> like that. Just you're just surrounded by these bright pink, fluffy. Yeah. And the petals are falling down like rain, and you see them in the. And that's a very common thing you'll see in uh, Japanese stuff too. Is the 
the cherry blossoms falling from uh-huh. the trees and floating down and there's always like some image of somebody just elegantly sitting there with their tea and a little, little oh, okay. just lands yeah. on the surface and like oh it's so pretty like like oh it's so pretty and so it's this very romantic image yeah okay um beyond that i think just the cherries themselves are these bright red little fruits and they come in little bunches of two they're just dangling like little lovers in a tree just hanging out oh, so there's there's yeah, a lot of just go, the yeah. symbolism with the cherries of romance okay and, well in the red the, the color i don't right. know in japan so, if it's red is a love color but uh um, definitely here yeah it's it's i think in just all just human human nature itself and as has a lot of connotations so the color yeah. red of being a very uh, vibrant symbolic color right. that in china it's like a new year's thing um they give out like lucky money on new year's you go mm. to like your your uncles and they give you lucky money <laughs> and it's always in the little red packet like mm. a little red envelope or something yeah um that's my knowledge of <laughs> red yeah, my, in china <laughs> my biggest knowledge of red in japan other than that is uh shinto priestesses they're yeah they're they have these big baggy pants that, oh yeah that okay. are always bright red and then they have the white sh- uh yeah yeah shirt thing whatever so it's it's a part of the traditional garb of a Shinto priestess is these bright red pants. <laughs> All right. So it's uh so there's certainly some meaning in there, but just in general, so you've got this the right. cherry blossoms is a very romantic image. Um, the trains. Trains very romantic image. So it's it's building off of a lot of these traditional symbols okay. that are in there. Um, something you might see. Uh, in other places as well as on the chalkboard when they there was a little scene where they go into the classroom and on the chalkboard like there's this yeah like thing basically the other kids in the class were writing yeah they're like like, making fun of her yeah and what they had drawn on there was a little umbrella okay with each of their names under it oh okay which is another that's kind of what like um in america we'd have more of like a heart with the names written inside yeah. of it. That's basically in Japan, that's what you would have as an umbrella with the two, like your two people sharing an umbrella, an umbrella okay. walking down the street and stuff. So that's, huh. that again is a fairly common symbol or emblem or whatever. I like of, the under the umbrella thing. Yeah, it's uh, a, <laughs> it's cute. So they draw this little umbrella and put the names under it. And if it's done intentionally by someone of their own relationship, they're obviously seeing themselves as uh, yeah. romantically involved with the person. In this case, it was more just elementary kids taunting each other and being like, ha, ha, ha. They were taunting her. She she wouldn't mind being under the umbrella. <laughs> I, I don't think she would have. But, but uh, he comes in and, like, stops them and, like, erases it and to protect her but, but yeah now and, and then grabs her hand and pulls her out of the room and they hang out together so it's kind of like <laughs> right right so it was kind of this mixed messaging going on there with that i guess but yeah well and that's why she's having kind of this hard time because uh she likes him he seemingly is uh friendly and and uh not you know he's not like pushing her away but at the same time, he's still very distant. So she has to figure out what the fuck is going on. Yeah, yeah. I think he was at the age where he did not uh, understand 
an actual romance relationship. Right. They well, were a bit too young for that. She was probably a bit too young for that too, even maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think mean, that was I mean they're they're not really specific on the age, I but think they're, they're in high school then. No. No. No, because they were like the last day, like their day of their like first kiss, and then they never saw each other again. They, they were like thirteen or something. Well, that one, but I I was talking about the second story. Oh, in the second story, yeah, yeah. in high school, but that was in the first story. That, that was, was in the first one. Yeah, oh, with the okay. umbrella and the chalkboard and stuff. That was all uh, in the first story. Well, that ruins everything I just said. <laughs> <laughs> so in the second one, yeah, he's all just totally this nice guy. Yeah, he's always just helping her out with random crap. And, right, and so that's what she, she does. That's what yeah, I was talking about. Yeah, and so she is definitely very confused. But in right the, in the first, in the first story, one, there was that. Yeah, but but that was when they were still in school together. So yeah. He probably liked her. She liked him, but they were, you know, like you were saying, they don't understand or whatever. They don't. Yeah, they're they're you know scared or they're just you know kids whatever. At that yeah, point, so not they're really just thinking like, of it. They don't know what the fuck to do, so they're they don't like being taunted about it. <laughs> right, right. It's more just this. Yeah, but then when they are separated, then he gets very sad and yeah wants to hang out and. So they write letters and stuff. And then he takes this wonderful train ride. Yeah, the the, the train ride from hell. Of just yeah, like, just... <laughs> it was just the, the day that everything that could go wrong did. Right. Well, I mean, he should have. they should have waited until the spring. Because there was something about in one of those letters where she says, oh, I hope you come in the spring when the yeah, cherry blossoms was, or something. I'd have to go back and, and figure out timing-wise what was going on there. But my assumption on that was that... Um, it was an unexpected snowstorm that it was oh okay and that what she what she was hoping for was that by the time he showed up spring would have gotten there oh okay and that this basically winter was staying later than okay what okay and, and that that normally this would have been a springtime thing but it was just an it was just yeah a freak accident yeah like when i moved uh here to oregon it was the middle of march and they got like 2 feet of snow here in uh and when i was i got stuck in in redding california um because they closed the the passes to get into oregon and then when i rolled up here the next day when they it was just like fucking snow everywhere (laughs) it's like gee this is the middle of march the fuck are we moving into Yeah, no. Now so. just imagine that if you had a girl waiting there that was yeah, yeah. wanted you to be there at seven, and you were yeah, no, and, and every yeah. freaking train was a few minutes later, and then you right, then right. stopped for ten minutes at the station. And <laughs> no, yeah, no. That's the thing about the 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 cherry blossoms falling at that rate of of speed. The the idea of focusing the title and that first moment on the rate of speed of this thing and then throughout the rest of it there's all these things that happen like the train is going to go at whatever the fuck speed it goes at he has no control over it right so he has to kind of come to terms with like there's nothing i can do other than just get on the next fucking train and hope that it gets there right and especially with with uh in that age where there's no cell phones and stuff like that, like he, he literally has no way to do anything about it. Mm-hmm. He just has to keep going <laughs> at the same like snail's pace. Right. 
Um, and and in the the second one, they launch a like a satellite or something, and or in the first one, maybe I don't. I think it was the second one. I probably. think it was the second one. But then anyway, in the last one, they make some mention of like the fucking satellite got to its destination like 15 years later or some shit. Right, right. And it's like, oh, fuck. Like this thing has been slowly moving through this guy's whole life. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, just these, these, he likes this kind of <laughs> fucking. I don't know how to describe it, this slow sort of movement and the inevitability of life. And, you know, right. you just, I don't know. Right. And then He's really focused on this stuff. Yeah. And then there's the the letters. There's kind of this point in there where, where in the first story, they're writing all these letters back and forth yeah. to each other. And then at the end... Like he brings this letter with him on the train that he's going to give to her, and he's right. he spent like two weeks composing this letter and making it perfect, and like right. this is exactly what I want to tell her, and it just like blasts off in the wind, yeah. and he's just like oh, and then you kind of find out she had a letter she wanted to give to him, but just couldn't bring herself to do it or whatever, right. and then, but then you have in the second uh, part of it, he's always like texting. And the girl is always noticing that he's texting somebody and she doesn't know who he's texting or what's right. going on. Like she's trying to figure it out. It's part of her whole like what what's this guy doing? Yeah, what's, what's going, going on? on? Do we ever figure that out who he's texting? Um texting. I've I've got a theory anyway. You have a theory. But, All right. Well, what's your theory? Um, somewhere at the end of that uh chunk episode, I guess. All right. Like he it shows him texting. And there might have been a very quick subtitle of it because this like as you said, the film subtitled all sorts of crap. Yeah. But then he closes the phone and he says to himself, he's like, when is it that I started writing these messages I can't send? And so I get this feeling that over the entire course of it, he's been writing these texts to the first girl. And then he just but he, can't, he, he just can't pull the trigger on it. and he just Or he doesn't have him. her phone number or whatever at this point. Yeah, maybe point. at that point, you yeah. Know, but knows? it's just like, I. so that's my feeling is that he's, this whole time that he's, trying to text or wants to text her and he yeah. just can't bring himself to or he has something he can't something's blocking him from right perhaps something that's literal physical reality he can't do it or maybe it's just a mental hang up and it was like yeah and he kind of asked us like when did i start writing these letters that i just can't yeah that's send? right and i was so, like that first episode when yeah that letter blows away in the wind that's when it starts and that's when uh, this uh this lack of uh, ability to connect to her is yeah. this, this day is the, like that day is the day that they can no longer continue. And well, it's good that it's that day because that's the day that they animate it. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise we'd really be lost. <laughs> yeah. No, but, but uh, yeah. So yeah speaking see, I, of I would the say animation. that you're definitely right. So speaking of the animation, yes, this is another big thing that i think of when i think of shinkai films is the evolution of just his animation okay you have you have she and her cat practically just still images yeah and, and not even highly detailed still images okay it's, it's a very uh sparse uh imagery to it and you have voices of a distant star that's pretty most, sparse too yeah mostly still images most of what is animated is cg yeah but it's all it's very it's rather colorful the backgrounds are very 
beautiful. They're used very well. Yeah. Then you have Place Promised in Our Early Days, which is actually now a studio-developed film. It's right. fully animated properly. The backgrounds were very gorgeous, especially yeah. when it had like the weird otherworldly backgrounds, like when you'd see the girl in the tower and there's this whole weird alien landscape. And you have like five centimeters and it's like, it just takes it again to a whole new level of yeah. just this detail in the backgrounds. That there's I'm there's just, a lot, yeah. The whole movie I just spent like mesmerized by like the crap that's going on. Yeah. And now it, it's not just that the backgrounds are good looking, but there's so much interactivity with it that you just don't normally see like they'll be sitting on the train and you'll see like the lights reflecting off of the metallic oh, surfaces okay. and it's going they go by a light and the light just shines across the floor yeah. and or there's a scene where in the second one where the girl is on her little motorcycle and you see the headlights on the road in front of her in this and it's uh -huh. like that's the background art that's getting manipulated you I have feel the, like a lot of that is cg though um oh i'm sure it's like the like it wouldn't necessarily have been possible before the CG days. Quite possibly, but and I'm sure everything. I mean, at this by this point in time, not like 99% of animation is done on a computer. Yeah, I and mean, even when it's not CG animation right, per right, se, right. it's it's all digital. It's all done on a. Well, computer. I, yeah, no, I mean I understand that, but like um, when I was watching this, like color wise, it reminded me of why i don't really like modern comics <laughs> because <laughs> like like uh traditional comics because the coloring is all digital now and it's all mm. like shaded and it's like too fucking it's too advanced i don't know what it, it, <laughs> there's something about it that it looks unnatural to me and i don't like it mm, you're Whereas, getting that feeling here yeah definitely mm. and so like i don't know i just prefer a, a I don't know, dial it back a, just a little bit in, in mm. the digital stuff. Because there was a lot of CG in this one that I noticed. Yeah. And what say you? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I, just, I actually really like the visuals. I'm just in fucking here. with you. Yeah. And I think it, it works out really well. Like, it's, there's, and it's not just, oh, it's done in CG, but so much of the stuff, like, even other anime of the time, yeah. Even modern anime, like yeah. no one will do this kind of detail work into the background. No, there's there's a lot of of detail stuff. There's um, and I that's very nice to look at. There was a shot of a fucking bird flying, uh, in some in some uh, power lines and stuff. And I swear to God, for the first few seconds, I thought it was video, and I was just like, "Wow, these, these guys throwing video in there!" Oh no, that's animation. <laughs> so I don't want to discount yeah, that it's... it looks shitty or anything. Like it looks good. It looks. I think the majority of people would say it's amazing and wouldn't think twice. Me personally, I just I have a really strong dislike of digital coloring. Mm. Um, that's my own like personal bias. Yeah. So when I I I was just like, ah. <laughs> and all the like the 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 lens flares and stuff really get to me too. I don't I'm not mm. into the lens flares so much, but um, that's me. That's personal, yeah. you know. No, it looks good and and it uh, looks very realistic. Yeah, I mean, there's I think somewhere in here it might have been in that interview you were mentioning somewhere in the special feature. Yeah, they they have the photos that he took as reference oh, okay. for the background art that he did 
and it would like it show this photo of like oh there's this snowy street and there's some cars there and then it like shows the ba- and then there's the background scene and it's like oh it's that background oh, from okay. that scene and uh, like he made it look like gorgeous what the hell is it like <laughs> it's just this dingy oh, okay. ass little <laughs> street and the, like he just suddenly turns it into this like beautiful yeah landscape that there's a lot of um like you were talking about pink with the the cherry blossoms there's a ton of pink like in every fucking shot of this movie like there's <laughs> yeah. a lot of like color palette wise it's all kind yeah, it's of very pastelish yeah. yeah and it there's definitely a lot of focus on like sun rising this or sunset right or the, the horizon and different. well the, yeah the romantic yeah, it's, times it's, of you know the colors yeah and he's, so he's he's into that he's definitely into that he definitely uh goes full force on that yeah the no he doesn't hold back and, yeah <laughs> this this is definitely a very romanticized story but right and and it's not like oh this moment like wow it was a big crescendo and it was this beautiful like it's like, no it's everything like, like yeah, literally no. everything it's everything like they're moment. at a freaking yeah. McDonald's or something and I'm like it's the most beautiful <laughs> McDonald's ever what the hell are you doing like why did you make McDonald's this gorgeous landscape right. of memories and it's just like what the hell like, yeah no he 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 does it's he just pretties yeah, everything up. And, and I think there is that, and this is kind of why I wanted to go into this this evolution of him, of these previous films, yeah. where he learned to use this background art as the primary oh, okay. medium, because this was you know him doing these tiny little animations. All you could really do as a, a single individual trying to make this was to make this background and to rely on the background. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. And so he's really built up in his just personal style the use of the background as a narrative device uh-huh. and working that into the foreground in ways and so he's he's you know he kind of learned on working with these backgrounds and they've yeah. become just such a massive part of his uh technique because yeah. of like voices of a distant star he can't really animate people moving so he relies on well, now we're going to show you the bicycle sitting in the grass after the sound effect of the bike wheels spinning, and you just know and right. comprehend that, oh, he rode there on a bike. Right, right. And so to sell that, you make that background emphasized, and you make it as good-looking as you can. And so he's carried that forward. Now he's got actual money behind it to make it look like this massive, yeah, gorgeous spread of light reflecting off of crap and (laughs) just like ah (laughs) i feel like this one has a lot of just still images though still yeah yeah it's still very focused on the backgrounds on these yeah moments like there's there's a lot of um just not animation (laughs) i don't know (laughs) it's just a still image and it's fine it looks right what it is but it's still it reminded me a lot of voices of a distance distant star because it was just like wow this is similar because they're texting and they're far apart and right right. and it's uh still images and not that there's not animation but right it's uh it's a very i mean he like to me he feels like he's very emotionally detached shinkai <laughs> because every movie that i've seen i've got this feeling of like 
the movie is about all these emotions and and these feelings but i don't like but they don't evoke them in me they're sort of like detached and yeah, it's, 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 it's a, a weird sort of feeling and it so it makes me think like what ha- like what is <laughs> what happened to this guy not what's wrong with it but just like there's but, there's a story yeah it, it, there it with him definitely it feels like this is a very personal thing to him yeah. like this is built off of some personal experience especially cuz he keeps hammering like a similar idea of like this emotional detachment and the distance between people and so this one doesn't have any sci-fi so maybe there's autobiographical elements yeah i've i've always kind know. of felt that this was that his stories have just been based off of this deep-seated yeah. like regret that he has of some like girl he broke up with or never something. got to go out with or yeah. something like this uh, that there's some but you said that he had a fiance is he married now? um i'm i'm not sure what's going on with him yeah. at the moment i just know that at the time he was making voices of a distant star he had a fiance okay whether they married or you broke don't know up, okay i don't know but right which is fine i don't yeah yeah i don't follow that stuff either but um, I just, I don't know. There's something about this guy that, that I feel for him. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, <laughs> like, it's like, I don't even, the characters, they go through their things, but what really like, <laughs> like what's, what's pulling at my heart is, is Shinkai. Like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> just give him a hug, you know, come on. <laughs> like it's, it's, it is, it's such a weirdly like sad movie, right. despite not being really tragic or particularly but the the character of that guy is such like a like he's obsessed with this girl and it's just to the detriment of his whole life you know when we come back to him at the end i mean he's quitting his job he's fucking yeah. consumed by this despair of this fucking relationship that he can't have mm-hmm. um i do feel like he kind of finally processes it by the end of the the thing i mean they sing the song and he's jumping around but <laughs> <laughs> jumping around um but the character is obsessed makoto shinkai keeps hitting the same yeah, he, he seems point. kind of obsessed so with he this seems fairly obsessed this theme right and you say that it continues yeah every film i've seen of his has been about this has been this See, failure to connect or right. failure so, to reach a true uh relationship which is funny because he is a a filmmaker and uh, at some level a filmmaker's job is to connect with an audience through this art piece or through uh, another thing so there's a distance between him and us the audience yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. Like we don't know him. And there's this but, this kind of emotional distance from the the narrative to the raw emotions of the character. Right. Like you're seeing this raw emotion, but you're seeing it from a distance. It's dev- it's always detached. Yeah. yeah. Like and, even even the the story. Like there's when he goes on the train, you're kind of there with him on the train, and he's going through the 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 you're with him during the day to day. But through a lot of that, it's like the letters are being read to you and you're seeing things happen alongside of that, but you're not like within the scenes processing emotions like the characters would be or whatever, like a normal scene or whatever. And 
I think to, to at least some extent that's very common in just Japanese media and, and yeah. general Japanese stories in general. I'm thinking of other uh, kind of romance stories or like um, Kimagure Orange Road uh-huh. kind of has this similar distance to it, I feel. Yeah. That there, that on some level there's this detachment okay. to the character, to the just the raw feelings of the characters yeah and you see them playing out from this from this distance so to an extent i think it's it's just kind of this it's Japanese a cultural thing thing yeah. to some extent but shinkai just hammers it so right. hard it seems especially prominent in his stuff yeah and the little bit of the interview that i saw with him he seems normal <laughs> I mean, <laughs> not that you can judge him off of five minutes on in an interview, but right. like he doesn't seem like this brooding sort of "I'm going to stay in the corner" kind of guy. Right. right. Uh, I mean, he's uh, clearly able to put films together and put them out. Yeah, yeah. So maybe, maybe. he's the the character that uh, went through this, processed it, and now he has emerged <laughs> from the cocoon, <laughs> and he's trying to share the story with the world so that um, other people in this situation might learn something or right. connect with it. or what. I don't know. I'm curious if he, if he married that girl or. Yeah. I need to maybe look that one up, but it's kind of, but a... the fact that he just, you say that he continues in the other movies Right. Hitting it's, the similar themes, the same kind of ideas. Yeah, it seems like every movie kind of takes this concept of <clears throat> this guy and this girl who, for some reason, aren't connecting. Just can't get together. And it's like a different barrier in every movie. It's like every right. movie just explores this different barrier. So, we, yeah. In this one, it is just a barrier of uh, just your life moves on in different directions and you yeah. lose contact. And and even then, there's there's the moment where he thinks that he passes her on the street when they're adults, right? And the trains and it, it are going calls by, right? Back to the beginning, that right. that first scene where the train passes between them, and they're talking about the cherry blossoms. Then we go to the end of the movie, and it's that exact same intersection right. years later. He's but, all grown up, and he sees this woman. Is that her? trains go by right but specifically you were talking about lives going in two different directions and i don't remember the first time i think the first time it's just one train but it could be two i don't remember yeah i'm not sure but in the in the second one it's second one it's definitely one going one way (laughs) and then another going another way right and then she's gone and it's just like this like tension scene because it's like you've got this whole and you're just sitting there like oh man this freaking long ass train right. and then suddenly and then another, another one goes one, the other, yeah. you're like, oh god damn this long, another long ass train right so, it just draws that tension out as he sits there waiting for the, right to, for it to end and see and then she's gone and then i guess symbolically uh his obsession is supposed to have gone away with her <laughs> Like, perhaps he's perhaps he's able he's... to move on, because in that interview, I feel like I shouldn't have watched it because I I feel like it colored my, I mean I didn't watch it before, but he, Shinkai says that the that that last, I forget what he said the first two are, but he said that the last segment is supposed to represent like his dealing with the he doesn't say obsession, but like dealing with it and processing it. 
Mm-hmm. And so now, like, whenever I think of that, because I didn't get that when I watched it. I just thought, like, I just thought it ap- ended happily, and I didn't understand, like, why are they playing this fucking song? Like, <laughs> this guy's well, this... an obsessive dude who just quit his job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's also, I mean, I think the lyrics of the song are actually pretty... Uh... Okay. Um, important yeah. to things too. I don't know how much you paid attention to it, but there's. I I, I don't know. I don't like reading song lyrics on <laughs> anim, on any subtitle stuff. But I mm-hmm. I did read them, but I don't remember. Yeah, there's the line that kind of the refrain, I guess, that it keeps uh, going over is the the guy singing the song is saying, "I keep looking for you in X location, like oh, in, okay. in the store, in the shopping malls, in the train stations and intersections, yeah. and newspaper articles, like whatever. It's like everywhere he looks, he's right. looking for this girl, even though he knows he, she will not be there." But okay. he can't stop himself from thinking, yeah, maybe she's there, maybe I'll see her. And so you get the, get this train crossing at the end where he's like, "Is that her? Maybe." And so it's yeah. like it's just it seems to me like it's another reflection of this. He's always looking for, he's always hoping for right. this second chance, this this next opportunity to perhaps connect with her again. And then even though he knows it's never going to happen. But he's got to move on. I mean, come on, dude. Yeah, and so See, there's kind of uh and so it's it's kind of like this thing in the song. He's like, even though I know you're not going to be there, I keep right. And so I see this at the end where he's he's going, is that her? Is that her? And then it passes, and she's not there. He's like, oh, of course that's not her. Like I knew it wasn't going to be her. Right. Like he's just he's aware that this is never actually going to happen. He's now aware of it, whereas <laughs> yeah. before he wasn't necessarily aware. Yeah, maybe maybe before he was really genuinely searching for right. her and re- really hoping for this connection to re- rekindle this relationship. And yeah. now he's just kind of like, it's never going to happen. Well, that, that, no matter how much I want it, it's never actually yeah, going to happen. That makes me feel better. Because <laughs> I thought it ended like, yay, you're obsessed and like <laughs> I, I don't know i never really thought of it as a happy ending that's to it, per se. when that fucking song goes i was just like this is pretty like uh this is too upbeat for this guy like what yeah, kind of what did I, he do to earn this because i actually don't think of it as an upbeat song oh, it seems okay. like a very sad song to oh. me of this of lost love that will never come back yeah and... well maybe i should have read the read the lyrics a little more <laughs> um I don't know. I just it, that's what I that's what I felt just feeling wise. And then he in the interview was saying like um he processes it in that and he I think he says he processes it and moves on in the third segment. And so then when I heard him say that, I was like, "Okay, it's not like yay, you're obsessed." keep being obsessed ending it's, it's there is more to it than that that i just missed yeah was... and then you started saying something that made me think like no <laughs> and then i didn't like it <laughs> but then you you walked yeah, me back around to it so now i'm yeah, i don't, I'm I don't okay know it's it. it's it's definitely an ambiguous ending that you can take in yeah whatever direction you feel is appropriate i think um and maybe say that, okay, he's he's figured out his problems and he's going to do something about it. And now yeah. he's he's now he's moving on. Now, now he's see, now he's leaving her behind. And... Yes, 
I like that. If it's not that, if he's continuing to be obsessed, then I don't like that. <laughs> so I have to, I ha- I choose to believe that he moved on and then he became Makoto Shinkai. <laughs> <laughs> and started making movies. And then actually like moved forward with things yeah, and he, got a fiance. And <laughs> yeah, just, he, he then, he, he quit his programming job and instead made movies. And, yes. And, and <laughs> I want to look into this guy's background. Yeah, I, I wonder you know, how much this reflects his life. <laughs> I mean, it's probably not like dead on like that, but, right, right. but I, I can't imagine someone making movies with the same theme and the same like ideas and have it be this like emotional detachment and this lost love thing i can't imagine a guy just like out of the blue deciding to make a bunch of movies about this one thing right it's like it's clearly like it's got to be drawn from his own experience somehow whether it's a, a thing from his childhood and then like something with his parents or something with actual like love like it is in the movies yeah it's it's um gotta be something that he has dealt with personally yeah. on some level yeah i feel like there's something that maybe i should have watched the rest of the interview he, yeah. maybe he would have <laughs> enlightened to me i kind of don't think so because i think i've watched that and i don't think i had any big revelation yeah that. but like you i've got this feeling like he he has to have this kind of this has to be drawn from his yeah. life somehow. I like the mystery. That, like, I want to know, but I, at the same time, I'm thinking, like, maybe I don't want to know. Because <laughs> <Right. laughs> if I look and I see, like, oh, he had a great, happy childhood, and he <laughs> <laughs> fell in love with his elementary school girl, and they got married, <laughs> you know, then it's going to kill all of that mystery that I have. Yeah. But you said that his next movie is a fantasy movie, and it's still the same sort of idea, right? Um, it's in there. It's in there, okay. Um, I think this is, and to an extent, what I'm talking about with the backgrounds, I think this kind of led to this idea. I mean, on this DVD box, you got like two different like, oh, newspapers. I want, like, yeah. he's the next Miyazaki, and it's like this. And I think the backgrounds and stuff kind I, of led to that. Also, I wanted just to address that. You think that it's because of the the beautiful backgrounds? Well, I, there's more to it than that. Because like, there's all there's there's a quality of just being an artistic and yeah. kind of family friendly and animated, and it's just okay. you're gonna lump him into the same category See, as Miyazaki when I watch, to some extent. When I watch these movies of his, I don't I don't even think about Miyazaki. Because they're right. like they're, on they're two very separate yeah, ends yeah. of artistic. They're just doing their own thing. They're very unique. Right. I would never think to be like, oh, he's the next Miyazaki. Um, but some people would. <laughs> well, some people would. But I want to know, is it, is it Japanese people? Is it American critics? Well, one of the quotes they have on the box is from a Japanese newspaper. Okay. So well, then that... I think it, it at least started in Japan. And I think what it is is just the fact that he's clearly this artist who's... Yeah. And Miyazaki is clearly this artist. Very much so. And I, I think there's some very vague superficial similarities in that they're I mean, they're, they're very different. And, right. But I, I can see why somebody who is not concerned with those differences, who's just like in this marketing... BS era of, well, area of thought is just going to 
is just going to start saying, oh, he's this next guy who's going to elevate the art form. He's going to, he's advancing the animation or of the yeah. backgrounds that even Ghibli doesn't do the backgrounds right, okay. the way he does them. Into the, like he's advancing how it's animated in a way that Ghibli is like some of the best animation around and, and really pushed for this good animation. Right. It's, it's high quality stuff and yet it's also very thematic, very artsy, if you will. Right. Like it's, it's an art they're art house films. For sure. And for sure. There's this degree of just being very uh, artsy and being Right, very much that, just doing your own thing. But like, thing. I don't it's, see Miyazaki like that at all. He's very like a populist. He's like the Spielberg of animation, where he's making these like super fun, fucking like family adventure movies or whatever. And yeah, they're they're like they're unique artists, so they are similar on that, and they are, um, you know, directors, and they're controlling their vision or whatever so i you know they're similar on that but like at literally everything else like i just don't i don't get it and i wonder because it's one thing to be a quote on a box and say the next miyazaki but what is the context that that is said within right yeah and that I wonder. Yeah, that I've never really seen. It's just like, oh, he's the next Miyazaki. I'm like, eh. I mean, right, I'm, because... I'm with you in that I don't agree that they're actually similar. Yeah. But I can kind of see that some people would take certain aspects and compare it to Miyazaki. Yeah. And in that, and once you start that comparison, it kind of balloons into this. Right. He's Miyazaki. He's the new Miyazaki. Right. But, and, see, but that's I just it's so weird to me. Like it doesn't yeah, fucking I, make sense because his movies are just they they don't feel like they would appeal to the same viewers. They don't they just feel so different. It's like saying I don't know Michael Bay is the new fucking Kubrick or something. <laughs> like yeah, they're both directors, but they're doing completely different things. I'm like what what. It's just it's so weird. Right, Michael Bay right. is Michael Bay was not a good example, but I don't know. Somebody, you know, I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, it just it doesn't it doesn't make Christopher sense Nolan. to me. Christopher Nolan, there you go. Yeah, you could do Christopher Nolan. He's he's uh He's a good filmmaker, but like thematically, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't say he's the next Kubrick. He's definitely yeah, not yeah. the next Kubrick. I have made the the um the connection in that uh, Christopher Nolan's all about physical effects whenever he can do them. Dark Knight movie, they fucking blew up a, a semi-truck and flipped it in the air, and that's a real effect that they did. And mm-hmm. and the fucking plane shit at the beginning of uh, the third Dark Knight movie where the plane explodes and falls, they did that all for real. And in Inception, they had a fucking rotating hallway and they built an actual rotating hallway mm-hmm. and to me that reminded me of the rotating space shuttle set that Kubrick built for 2001 so in my brain i have said to people like it's like Kubrick when he built the fucking set like he didn't 
he could have done that a different way, but he no, he built a fucking revolving set. And so the same way you totally could have done that revolving hallway thing in Inception with CG and whatever, and it would have looked shitty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but no, he fucking built the thing. And so I don't think he's anything like Kubrick, but just the idea of of trying to realize things uh physically and just that idea of of making a studio like who clearly if they could do it cg they would do it cg they don't give a fuck right but he's talking them into doing it and it i don't know if it costs more but probably doesn't definitely takes longer probably well i don't know rendering takes a long time i don't know i'm just rambling at this point (laughs) but um I mean, and and I think that's what it is with this Shinkai Miyazaki comparison. Is is there somewhere there's high quality visuals, or yeah, and it's like okay, Miyazaki has high quality visuals, Shinkai has high quality visuals, and and then they just get but they're too inflated. Like high quality Ghibli is like it's a very animation. Yeah, it's 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 focused more on the animation to me. Where Shinkai is focused is on focused the on the background. So if Shinkai and Ghibli could team up. Yeah. The fucking heads would all explode <laughs> of anime fans worldwide because it would be amazing backgrounds, amazing animation. What the fuck? This is the end of the form because <laughs> we just achieved 100%. I, mean, I, I, I kind of feel like, it, yeah, it'd be like that. But at the same time, I kind of feel like Comics Wave is getting to that point anyway of just because every film just keeps getting better and oh, better Oh, right, because you've seen all the other ones. So, yeah, yeah, so I mean, I like i said it's this evolution is not just continuing in that his themes are continuing but it just it keeps adding backgrounds keep getting better the background keeps getting getting better animation keeps getting better it just it's just every film just seems to be a continual increase in quality that's That's nice of him that's kind of why i'm always excited to see these films because just to see this progression of everything keeps getting improved on and and built on and what is what is done in the previous film is now the foundation for something else to be innovated on and i just keep looking at going wow these are just he's he's really he really is kind of just evolving yeah uh, this or at least push pushing the boundaries on this in a way that other right. directors have not and is uh is he very successful like in japan like i know miyazaki was a big like um i think he's box pretty, office is a pretty know? big deal okay I mean, I know your name has been like massively successful. Okay, good. And, I'm pre- and I'm sure in Japan as well. As yeah, yeah. Abroad, I mean, it's it's, and I think maybe that's a little bit of where they're conflating him with Miyazaki as well. Is just that he's getting this international yeah. claim. He definitely, an yeah. It and is. Miyazaki is one of the few anime directors to get that. So, yeah, I don't know. I can't really think of any anybody like I mean, off the top of my head that that is. Uh, Mamoru Oshii is the only other one I could even put into that category. Yeah, he's big time, but like in the U.S., I don't know. I mean, he's known for Ghost in the Shell. And like that's right. it. Like, like beyond that's it. that, he's, like, he's got this one thing his name is attached to that right. people in America recognize. Yeah, him. and like anime fans would know more than that. And right. I don't, I don't know that non-anime fans would know Shinkai, but not that they know it, Miyazaki. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I well. I think Miyazaki has reached a point where people know of him, even if they're not really in, like he's kind of transcended anime as a yeah general like 
Yeah, when I saw Ponyo in the theater, this was, I don't know, that's probably 10 years ago, too. Mm-hmm. Um, Not quite, maybe. Anyway, when I saw that in the theater, they show the, the Ghibli logo at the beginning. And there was, like, a little family... And the little kids started clapping when they saw the logo. Like, they clearly knew the Ghibli thing. So, I right. thought, well, those it, kids definitely know Miyazaki. Yeah, I, so, I think know. Miyazaki, or at least Ghibli films in general, have yeah. become a general kind of... They're kind of a competitor almost with Disney in terms of, like, just being this yeah. company or that you just... That parents will go to because they know, oh, that will be a good kids movie. Right. And it's... Maybe not on the level that Disney is in that regard, but there's just this idea of parents know to go to this uh, right. this filmmaking studio. This this studio will produce uh, movies that Good the kids stuff. will like and yeah. that, that they might even enjoy and not mind watching, unlike whatever random right. BS comes out from <laughs> like where the yeah. You know, that's the thing about like the the family films that I've seen in anime all the time is that it always seems like there's more to it than just the kids crap. It's not just like cars where it's just like, Oh, it's a bunch of jokes. The kids will laugh at and the parents right. will just be like, when the fuck is this over? <laughs> like right, right. there's always more to it that an adult can engage with. And yeah. So I've, yes. I've tended to be, uh, to enjoy on some level most of the anime family films that i've seen yeah well you're you're attuned to enjoy anime in general so right right i would i would guess that you would have would lean towards those anyway yeah but it's like i'll watch something like letter to momo and i'm like oh this is dealing with some themes that you can engage with as an adult it's dealing with this these themes of a divorce and now you have to take care of this child alone and the child's dealing with this like what's going on and uh-huh. trying to adapt to this new life and there's there's a lot of that that as much as that is just this goofy weird little comedy about this kid running around with weird spirits <laughs> causing mayhem and like kind of right. a, but there's also just like oh wow there's this real hard core of theme going yeah, yeah, on yeah. that's just there's that you can actually engage with and think about in a and they're real pr- sense. Probably not gonna put something like that into your average Disney movie, right? Not that I know what an average Disney movie is anyway. I mean, right? But I, ju- I just I feel like that just hitting directly into that theme of yeah, your parents could get divorced and right, right. leave you in the lurch here of just hitting a kid with that is kind of something that we don't right. tend to do much in not that it never happens but it just doesn't seem to be the common normal thing for, right yeah uh, kids movies in america to tackle those issues in any yeah. kind of serious way uh, yeah i don't know like a like an animated kids movie that's <laughs> that's gonna deal with that yeah. I, don't, I don't i don't, I don't know think so. I'm, yeah. I'm not picturing that happening too much yeah but the anime be- often kind of goes in, ad- addresses issues of that nature. That right. People... Well, I feel like the age, the... <laughs> I'm just done. <laughs> I'm just done. <laughs> I just can't think today, man. This uh, is a bad, bad... Uh... 
See, I can't even finish that. <laughs> um, oh, fuck. You're just going to fall asleep right in the middle of the I podcast. I don't know, man. I, I just I can't think of anything. I have things, and then they just go away. Mm. Got a snapshot of the brain right at that moment. Maybe get some. What the fuck were you <laughs> talking about? <laughs> like, I'm trying to think of like... Uh, Kids' movies that address That's interesting right. themes. That's right. Does that ever happen in America? Well, I was thinking of of Up, the Pixar movie Up. Mm, yeah. Have you seen that? I have not seen that. I kind of know what it's sort of about. It's like this lonely old man who's... Yeah, and the first, mm. probably the first 10 minutes of that movie is uh, basically... Um, basically like a, a a short silent movie of this guy's life and he's a kid he, at the beginning i believe he's a kid and then he meets this woman eventually at some point and then they get married and they have kids and then the lady dies and then he's an old man and he's fucking sad and it's 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 i don't know 10 minutes or something and it's fucking great it's fantastic it mm. makes it's fucking makes me cry it's it's incredible it's and it's all silent you know i'm already attuned to the silent movie um and then the movie starts now he's an old guy and he's just in this fucking house all by himself and then the rest of the movie is very uh like fanciful <laughs> i don't know yeah, how to just i mean it's just like over the top fucking uh, he just like pops out some helium balloons and yeah, flies he off gets, on an adventure. He and... gets the balloons and he goes with this little Boy Scout friend that he has. And yeah, they I got the feeling off. that it was just this lonely old man who was trying to rekindle some value in life. And yeah, he goes out on this adventure to find joy in life again. And... Yeah, and I don't remember a whole lot about that part. I just remember that beginning cuz that was great and then the rest of it is it's good too, but um, you know, I don't know. They kind of they it it gets too kid movie for me. Like mm-hmm. there's I don't know, there's like a fucking dinosaur characters and, and fucking there's some funny dog shit. But <laughs> some funny dog shit. <laughs> I, like I said, I don't. I, my brain is not working right now. But there's like I just remember there's like the fucking Dobermans and they're. I don't. Why am I even trying to describe this? <laughs> I don't know. But it be, it comes becomes too much of a like a kids movie, and then I don't fucking care. But the the first part, right, where they really like show this whole guy's life cycle. So. He's not just an old guy in a house, you know, after watching that, you know, like, the fucking sadness and the joy and all this shit that happened in his life, and now here he is, and it's just like, man, like, I don't know, it's so life-affirming and just like, oh, fuck, and like, so much happens in a person's life, and (laughs) this old guy is not just some fucking old guy you know like the old guy down the street whatever he's like there's a whole incredible life behind mm-hmm. all these people um and so that's the only thing that i can think of that 
engages any kind of like like I don't know that a kid really thinks about that. Right. <laughs> the whole and... life cycle of a person. And so Yeah. I just feel like uh I don't I don't know anything else. I know that there's a movie called Inside Out and it's about all these emotions inside this girl's head and how she has to like learn to deal with her emotions. Mm. I didn't see it, but supposedly it's good. So yeah, I feel yeah. like that's a, a a little bit more advanced than traditional. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. And, and I think if you're going to make it kids, you don't, the kids don't have to necessarily understand it. Well, this is true, but I mean, you know. it just having it there. Right. Right. That can, I mean, it's, I think even as a kid, like the thing, even if I didn't understand what thematic thing was going on, I think having that thematic thing going on right. can add to it. And yeah, well, like Secret of Nim, yes. you can read a lot into that. And I never did as a kid, but there was a lot of stuff going on in that movie that I think was all stuff that. I was absorbing, if not understanding. Right, for sure. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I watched that movie a lot when I was a kid. Yeah, we had a the old battered VHS of that. that yeah, I, watched I, a I lot had a of VHS too. of that as well. Um, that's a good movie. Yeah, that's one that I could just go back and watch again, and and I think I would still enjoy that. Yeah, I think and, so too. I mean, I remember that being being fucking cool. Yeah. Good animation and. The rats, the mice, those ravens. Yeah. It's all... I'm just naming shit now. Yeah. I've got a, I've got a lot of... <laughs> the cat named Dragon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this big, fat, lazy monstrosity. Yeah. <laughs> just smash through crap. It's a, that, that cat was fun. But Yeah, that's a good movie. Yeah, definitely more going on there than whatever the, uh, you pick up as a kid. Right, but I'm I'm one of these people that doesn't think kids should be sheltered from like adult not adult themes but just like complex. Like, right, right. I kids mean, are smarter than people give them credit for. Yeah, I mean, and that was the whole thing with like Harry Potter. Nobody expected that to succeed because it was so big. Uh, like, oh, kids aren't going to pay attention to that. Kids aren't going to be able to sit through that or understand. Oh, yeah. The whole, like and that's why the books got so much longer as they went is because Rowling was being pressured to keep them short because kids aren't going to read big books. Oh, at the beginning. Yeah, like the first two or three novels of it are like yeah, they're you know three hundred pages or so, and then you get into like these freaking seven hundred page right. epics yeah. because they realized holy crap the kids are paying attention. Right. And that, that blew people away that kids would actually pay attention for a 700 yeah. page book like that's not possible kids don't have that attention span and it's just like well if they're into it though yeah. kids will fucking soak anything they don't give a shit yeah i mean that's the thing and it's and i think personally something if you're if you're gonna have something with thematic content if it's something that kids will enjoy yeah. then no it's yeah. not gonna hurt it at all it doesn't prevent anything no for sure personally i would i would have liked that she reined it in a bit <laughs> i don't know if you read those books but i i did like at some point i think when the the final book came out i was like oh i should like it's been a long time i should go back and reread the oh, others Jesus Christ. and i think i got like halfway through like 
the, and it was just like, oh God, just like, I'll just read the seven. I'll, right. I'll, I'll get up to speed on, it'll be fine. I'll yeah. be all, but like, it just, I couldn't get through the whole, cause it was just, there's yeah, too much, too much. And yeah. there's too much like repetition of the school year and, and like, okay, here's a, this, this book's Christmas chapter and <laughs> there's this book's fucking whatever the fuck chapter, you know, there was just the same shit over and over with variations, which is, you know, yeah, it, it can was, uh, be fine, but... There was kind of this established school year that right. it was going to hit which, the points of which every Which fucking time. bothered me, because it's like, okay, nothing happens. Like, okay, we know that whatever... I'm on page one. I know this book is going to end at the end of the school year. And I know that whatever the fuck happens at Christmas isn't really going to matter. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, and so it was just like, who gives a shit? And I got very frustrated with yeah. the books. But I kept reading because there was a point in the second or third book or something where I got really into the idea that that Harry Potter was gonna die <laughs> and i thought this is this is a very dark story and the ideas that she put out in there and it made me think like there's no way that this can end without him dying and then she kept that going through all the books mm. and you're thinking yeah here she goes and then she found a way to write around that and he's alive so you were you were very I was, disappointed. I was very mad because it's like, no, <laughs> you can't get out of that. Like this is what you wrote. That like this is the thing, and now you're just gonna make it a happy ending for these fucking kids because they don't want to have their hero dead. No, this fucking deal them some life. Yeah. It was very frustrating to me. Yeah. I can see that. I mean, by the time I got to the end, I was already kind of done with it, but I had to see it through. Yeah. At that point, it was like, been that far in. Yeah. It just, it really bothered me because as a whole series, I feel like it could have been whittled down quite a bit. Right. And then. <clears throat> um, it probably could have, yeah. I, I don't know. I just, I, I'm. I don't know. Uh, fuck Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, I I enjoyed them at the time. I don't think I have any real desire to go back and read. Yeah, they're it. fun enough, but was, I don't know. It was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I will say though, too, some of uh, the patterning of it that I know one of the things that was throwing people, at least in America, was throwing people off is that this is kind of a, apparently a fairly British genre that she's in. Yeah, no, she that is. The yeah. school story right. thing is apparently a fairly common thing in, in British literature of right. just having the school story go on and where they go to a school and there's this mystery in the school and it's yeah. just... Uh, so apparently that's a fairly common thing in Britain that just wasn't very common in America and was surprising people at least in america of well wow i've never seen a story like this before and yeah it's like it's nothing new she's just blending fantasy and whatever she's just blending a few different genres right that one of them happens to be somewhat uncommon in america right. is all Which it is makes it exotic and stuff yeah i will say that that the world and all these like colorful characters she's great at that 
yeah, and all that yeah. stuff is really well done. Yeah, I think uh, just in, just fucking edit this yeah. shit. <laughs> I, and I mean, I know she set it up to be seven years at the beginning, but Jesus Christ, can we not, you know? Make it three years or two years. <laughs> I, I, Maybe make the years go by quicker. <laughs> something. I just felt like there was just a lot of, uh, I don't, just a lot of fucking spinning of the wheels, <laughs> just to like make it go to seven. And I don't know. And th- the fact like every fucking book, the new teacher comes, and at the end of the book, yep, that's the bad guy. <laughs> Like, are you? F- Come on, man. <laughs> Maybe kids don't. They don't care about that. And then I—that's when I think, like, well, I am an adult. I'm reading this book for kids. Maybe I should just—I should look at myself instead of you know being mad at this book. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should stop reading these fucking kids' books. But yeah, I am. <clears throat> got to start out somewhere. Got to learn to that predictability from something. So. I yeah, guess. I guess. I don't know. Might just, as well be Harry Potter as anything else, I suppose. But just bothers me. It bothers me because, like, I, f- I swear to God, I'm the only person that has ever brought these fucking problems up. Because everybody that I've talked to that's read the books or seen the movies or anything, they, like, either don't know what the fuck I'm talking about <laughs> or they're just like, wow, I never thought of that or whatever. And it's yeah. just like... I don't know how you can get through those books and not think of that shit. <laughs> I, just, I don't know. Maybe because I wasn't like drawn in as much. Like I'd forget who the fuck all the other characters were. Like I remember their names. Like something Neville Longbottom. Like okay, there's some <laughs> kid, but I don't remember what he did in the last book or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Yeah. I'd- I don't think I ever thought about those, but at the same time, I don't think I ever thought too deeply about it because it was just Harry Potter. But I mean, right? But that's the thing. Like, it's it's not just Harry Potter. Harry Potter became this fucking this thing that that people were rallying around, and it was like this uh, this literary fucking sensation where it, kids are lining up around the block at the Barnes and Noble to get the next book. Yeah, it was a big fucking deal. And yeah, then the and, movie came out. You and know? I, th- I think the fact that it was a big fucking deal was literally the only reason I read it. I mean, right. It was, I never would have even well, bothered. That's, yeah, that's otherwise. why I started too. And I was just like, all right, I'll see what it is just because it's this huge thing. What is it? Fine. Right. Yeah, it's pretty good. I'll keep going. I'll keep reading it. Just, I finished it. And, yeah. 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 I mean, that's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but just the fact that it, it kept getting bigger, but yet it was still the same formula. And she never really branched off of that. I think there's some in the later books where, like I think in the last book, he doesn't even go to school half the time. Like he just leaves school <laughs> to go on the run or something. And I was like at that point, finally, there's no fucking Christmas chapter. <laughs> uh <laughs> But, uh, yeah, that's my Harry Potter rant. Yeah, I, I didn't know you were so opposed to it. I'm not, and that's the thing, I like it. Like, I I enjoy it, and I think it's a it's a cool thing, and it's created this grand world, and, and I like a lot of elements of it, but I just, there's, as a writer, as, as, a, as a written piece, I feel like there 
is better writing uh, that could have been there. Like fucking edit that shit down. Like I don't know. <laughs> I feel like yeah. she she got um, she was so praised for creating all this stuff that then she was just like like let's fucking go and she kept yeah, creating yeah. more and more and more and more and more and like I don't well, I don't I know it, how much like it helped the story yeah for me everybody else seems to fucking love it so, yeah so I, I yeah it, it apparently worked <laughs> right so like that's what I'm like it's just me I think yeah <laughs> like I think it's literally just me yeah because I I didn't mind the length of them really yeah it was just in going back and trying to reread them it was like, okay for the first time through, at least, I didn't mind right. the length. I think if I try to go back and read them again, I might just be like, okay, this is too freaking but, long. But, but if a book is great, when you revisit it, should you get completely fucking bored by it and be like, right. oh, Jesus, I can't fucking make it through this shit. <laughs> like, I feel uh, there are things that can be experienced once and then you don't want to see it again. Or watch it or, or read it again or whatever. And that's, there's something to be said for that. But I feel like something that's truly great should be revisitable. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. And I really don't have any desire to go back and revisit Harry Potter. Right. Like I, I went through it once and it was fun and that was all I needed from it. And I just. That like I don't think you're gonna get anything out of a second run through Harry Potter like other than remembering the what happens yeah, and then you go to the next book with a fresher memory like I yeah, don't think that there's any depth no I, I, going on I don't think I don't think so either there's just it's just refreshing the order of events and continuity right, right. of the story is all it's doing at that point but, right I don't know yeah. I don't know how the fuck we got on this Harry yeah, Potter. So, but to bring it around, this whole inflating of the Harry Potter, and you're saying maybe that just incur that was encouraging Rowling to keep yeah bigger and bigger. This is maybe uh, I think we will see that in the next Shinkai film. All of this. Oh. He's the next Miyazaki. Oh right. Plays a big influence, I think, on. The next film that he makes, uh, Children Who Chase Lost Voices, gets hugely influenced by that. And to its detriment, I think. But we'll, well, we'll get see. to that. Yeah, we'll see when we when you watch that one. Um, get to that later. <laughs> I wanted to ask about this movie, Five Centimeters. Mm -hmm. You've seen this like twice or more than uh, that? This, would, this is probably the second time I've seen it. Okay. Yeah. I, don't, I, just, I think I only watched it once. That's what I was wondering. Just yeah. That's it. There's no <clears throat> yeah, point is, to that, but this, this is only my second viewing and okay. I probably watched it the first time maybe not right when it came out, but not too long after. Well, you reviewed it, so whenever yeah, that was. Yeah. Whenever I reviewed it would have been the first time I watched it. And that was probably 4 3 4 years ago, something like that. I don't know. Might be a little longer, but yeah, I know there was a pretty big gap, I think, between this one and Children Who Chase Last Voices. I think like three or four years between those two films. Well, that one's like a full-on feature, right? Yeah, that's a good two hours. Okay. <clears throat> and that one I know I watched when it first came out, and I did the review of that when it first came out. Okay. And I think that's 
probably when I watched uh, <clears throat> Five Centimeters because I was like, oh, I'm going to go back oh, and watch his okay. whole, all right. the, the other things I've missed of his. So, and just do a review of all of his stuff, I think is what I did. So I went right. and tracked down the, the other stuff I haven't seen. But now you've seen it all. Yep. <clears throat> Except for all those weird shorts that uh, have never left Japan in any uh, official capacity. Hmm. I'm sure somebody somewhere has them. They might be on YouTube. Yeah, they might be on YouTube. So, who we'll knows? To, we'll have to check it out. I don't know. Anything else about the... the uh, I think we've... Uh, the shitty qualities of Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think we've uh, <clears throat> we we did our our requisite tangent for the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember how we got there, but that's not the long the po- and convoluted. <laughs> path, and that's not the point. The point is that we we kept trudging along five centimeters per second. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> and towards this end, <laughs> eventually we got here to to accept the fact that the movie is over. Yeah. So. You would recommend this movie, Five Centimeters a Second? Uh, yeah, I, mean, I enjoy it. I mean, I don't know that I would want to watch it again and again and again. I think I. Yeah, I don't think it has that quality, but it definitely. Um, yeah, it's it's def it's it's got something I like. I would it. say it's, that it's engaging. Yeah, well, I was kind of bored at the beginning, and then it slowly. Once we got on the train, I was like, okay, here we go. I like the trains. <laughs> uh, and then it, I was I was on board from then. Um, but I, having finished it and then watching that little piece of the interview and then now this recording podcast thing, um, conversation, uh, each one of those events has slowly, (laughs) slowly at a very steady pace made me more interested in seeing this again at some point. Yeah, I maybe can feel not like, tomorrow, but <laughs> no, definitely not. But um, at some point, I do feel like I would get more out of it if I saw it again. Yeah, yeah, it's. I think I think it's a good romance anime if you're into romancey stuff. I don't know about a romance because it's well, like so fucking. I think, yeah, it's not like, like when I think of romance, I think of yeah, I guess. Something There's a little that. bit more, maybe, maybe just drama. Yeah, no. If you're, if you're into just drama, it's definitely a romantic drama with a sort of art house kind of vibe. Yeah. Um, but. but it's very well regarded. So yeah, this is um, if you if you're into into that kind of stuff, well regarded anime from the next Miyazaki, then yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, it's only what an hour long. It's not. Yeah, it's an hour long. So it's, it's not super huge, won't take a huge chunk of your time. No, it'll take up one hour. Yeah. It'll take up an hour <laughs> of your time. Yes. All right, so, so that's... We're good? We're good? Yeah. 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 Good. <laughs> All right, uh, until next time, uh, uh, adios. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> Little fake outs there. <laughs>